0: Well, imagine the year is A.D. 65 and you are visiting Rome. And you're new to the city. And as you walk around the city, you see evidence of a devastating fire. A fire that had spread through the city. Some are saying the emperor did it. Because he wanted to build things new and more grand. Others are saying Christians did it. And as you travel through the city, you hear stories and you see things like Christians, or you don't even know they're Christians, people dressed in animal skins and thrown to wild animals, nailed to crosses and put to death. Others even used as fuel for torches in Nero's gardens as his wild and wicked parties go go on. One of their leaders, one of their main leaders of this people called Christians, the Apostle Paul, has been beheaded. Another, Peter, will soon be crucified and martyred. Yet these people are not seeking revenge. They're not plotting to overthrow the government. Their main purpose seems to continue to be to live quiet and peaceful lives as good citizens and to tell whoever they can about their leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of all of their suffering and all of the danger, they are living for God. And you you come to hear, you hear that one of their leaders, Peter, has written a letter to his people, to his church, And here's what it says in part. 1 Peter chapter 2, speaking to believers. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Hmm. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. Nero at that time. Wicked, evil, called the beast. Nero. And yet, these people who are being persecuted and killed, their leader tells them to honor the emperor. See, in context, Peter is preaching to a persecuted people and he is addressing them as a royal people, as a richly blessed people, but a people who are exiles on the earth. This is not their home. They are passing through to the true and lasting home with Christ, the new heavens and the new earth. And on our way through, on their way through, they are to live as exiles. As travelers, as sojourners, you've seen that language as they move through this earth and live in a way that is in obedience to Jesus Christ, that glorifies God, that blesses neighbor and loves Christian and even honors honors wicked rulers. They have treasure in heaven because of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. It is kept for them. They have salvation through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. They are made, we've seen it in verse 9 and I'm skipping by, but Peter is telling the Christians who they are in Christ before he tells them how to live in Christ. And we see that in many of the epistles. They are a redeemed people. They are a saved people. They are a special people. They are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that are His own possession and are instruments in His hand to spread His gospel to the ends of the earth. Again, in verse 11, He says, I urge you, know who you are. See, first He wants the Christians to know who they are and then how they're to live. They are a royal people, but they are to live as servants like their master Jesus who has walked this path of persecution before them. They are to be a blessing. They are to, as it says in verse 12, keep their conduct honorable among the unbelievers so that their lives prove the glory of God and put to shame those who would speak against them. Peter in the midst of suffering, will soon be martyred by this wicked ruler, tells the people to honor and submit to the king. So this morning we're going to focus on chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. And uh, again, he's writing to a persecuted people. I titled this Submission, Freedom, and Honor, just coming straight out of, this text, And what I want us to see as we look at this text and just meditate on it for a minute, much more could be said than will be said. But I, I hope it will be helpful for us as we walk through uh, a time of difficulty uh, with the coronavirus uh, and, and the, and during these times. But the main point I want us to see that as servants of the sovereign Lord, as this chosen race, this royal priesthood, this redeemed people, but those who are exiles and travelers, not looking to this to be their home. As servants of the sovereign Lord who has placed our rulers over us. So as servants of the sovereign Lord, we are to seek to live for His glory as good citizens of the country where He has placed us, submitting to our governors and seeking their honor. Even when it's difficult. As servants of the Sovereign Lord, we are to seek to live for His glory as good citizens of the country where He has placed us and He has richly blessed us to be part of the United States of America. Submitting to our governors and seeking their honor. Look first quickly with me at a God-centered submission. It's what we're called to. A God-centered submission. So see, like Peter wasn't entirely focused on Nero and how wicked he was and responding first and foremost to that. He calls the believers, and God through His Word calls us to a God-centered submission. Look in verse 13. And in the the original, the very first word, and you can see it in most translations, the very first word is subjection, submission. That word there means to line up under and be in subjection to. Be in rank under. Literally, I mean, just boil it down to one word, the word we all love, obey. (laughs) Right? Obey. Be in subjection. Be obedient. Now watch this. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake. Any submission that we're called to. And you'll see, if you go on and read the rest of 1 Peter, it's not just submission to governing authorities. It addresses wives and husbands and masters and slaves, and and it goes on talking about a lot of those things before summing up in in chapter 3. But here, we are to submit first and foremost to our Lord. So any any submission we we are called to is first and foremost submission to our God according to His Word. Whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or not. Maybe someday it becomes more plain for us. But we see here that Peter, writing to the church in a time of terrible persecution under very wicked rulers, says, Be subject for the Lord's sake. This is a God-centered submission. That's why I, I put it that way. We're submitting to our Lord. We're following Him as He was like a lamb led to the slaughter and opened not His mouth. He was seeking to honor His Father and entrusting Himself to a faithful Creator. We are to follow in those footsteps. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake. Line up under for the Lord's sake. Obey for the Lord's sake, be good citizens for the Lord's sake in the honor and glory of His name. Now watch what he says. To every human institution. This is who we're to be in subjection for under the Lord. To every human creation. You, you might say a creature if you look at the original. But he, he tells us what he's talking about. This is submission to people who have been sovereignly placed over us. No ruler is ever in place outside of God's sovereignty and His appointment. doesn't mean they're all righteous. Many of them are wicked. doesn't mean they always bless His people. Many of them don't. But He says, now watch, because I want us to to be sure that we're not um, what the old preacher called billy-goating and bringing in the exceptions yet. Notice what God's Word calls us to. Not going, but, but, but. What about this? What about that? Just look first at the Word. Be subject. Be in submission. Obey for the Lord's sake every human institution. All layers of the government under which God has sovereignly placed you for His glory, for the good of His people, and for His mission. Be subject to, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Watch this. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme... That doesn't mean he's supreme over heaven. He's he's been placed in authority over the kingdom in which you live, whatever that might be. This was the Roman Empire at that time. And the emperor at this time was the wicked Nero. And you you can read more about that. Very, very disturbed, evil, wicked man, rightly called beast. But it says, Peter's saying, Be in subjection for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, those who represent him in each segment of the empire or each section of the country, depending on where we are. To governors as sent by him. Now here is the function of good government. Here is what government should be under God. This is sort of the, the God's discussion or or word about what government should do. It says, Governor is sent by him to punish evil and to praise good. To punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So if government is operating rightly, it will be doing that. Punishing evil and promoting well-being. And we are to submit to our governors even if they... Are evil, you can see that in the text. This echoes what Paul says. Paul says in Romans 13, I'll read a couple of verses for you. Now watch this. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is, now watch this, God's sovereign over all of this. For there is no authority except from God. And those who exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. It goes on to talk about the, the bearing the sword and, and, and all of our responsibility to, to, to line up under them. Remember, this is for the Lord's sake. It's for the good of His people. This is for the gospel to go forth. That's our mission. That we are to line up under the rulers that He has sovereignly appointed, many of which are evil. And some are coming against His people. I mean, that was certainly true of Nero. But we're to do it for Jesus' sake, for the Lord's sake, in a God-honoring way. And to, to the extent that we can to promote... That good atmosphere, being good citizens, submitting to what is good, resisting in the right ways what is evil. But this is for good order, and this is for the punishment of evil and the praise of good. See, God has set these people in place. And we look above them to Him in His sovereign rule and seek to honor Him even when the rulers are wicked like Nero See, without government, there would be chaos. There would be anarchy. And you you may or may not agree with this, but I'm convinced it's true. Tyranny is better than anarchy. Tyranny. tyranny. I mean, you could see an example of that in in, in Iraq recently when Saddam Hussein was a wicked ruler. When he was removed and there was a vacuum, what moved in? Good? (laughs) No. No. See, the main purpose... Of this order that God grants, to the extent that He grants it, whether it be peace or persecution, is for His gospel to go forth. Civil government is His idea. And with all of the problems of the Roman Empire of the time and the persecution under Nero in Rome, we can talk more about that, the Roman Empire had produced, you know, it was there was a common language, there was a highway system, there was a sense of order, Pax Romana, so that the gospel could go forth. And be unfettered and unhindered. Good laws and good leaders promote order. I mean I mean, simple as a four-way stop. Take run two roads across one another and put no stop signs there and see what happens. Chaos will happen. Deaths will happen. It won't work. It will jam up. It will not be good for the people. Laws are good for order, and we're to be subject to them. Now watch this. The very few things in Scripture. Now we know there are a lot of things where God's will is outlined in Scripture. It's all over the place. But very few times does Scripture say, this is God's will for you. I think of sanctification and abstaining from sexual immorality in a couple other places. But he says this in verse 15. We're being subject to the will of God here. This is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence ignorance of foolish people. This is the will of God, church, that you submit, line up under, be obedient to even wicked rulers. That you lead quiet and productive lives for the kingdom that you're not spoken against or thought to be against the good order of a society. One of the things that happened in the Roman Empire, one of the things that happens in America, sometimes the church brings it on, it, on itself, is that people... Say things about the church that the church is, is counterculture, you know, and in a sense we are, but it, they expect us to be against everything, to be against the government, to be against their fund, to not promote uh, the common good, to be about our own little kingdom. And God is saying, even when it's hard, strive to be in submission to those that I have placed over you, trusting that I will work in and through you for my good. Live good, decent, quiet lives that are productive for the kingdom. And if not before then, in the day of judgment, your good actions in obedience to me will put to silence the talk of ignorant people. Ignorant of what? Ignorant of God. Ignorant of the gospel ignorant of the truth in Christ. The the very ones we need to be reaching with the gospel, sometimes we offend and turn off in unnecessary ways. But we are to live under the authorities that God has given us for His glory, for the good of the people, and to get the gospel forth. So we're we're to subject To the governors He's placed over us, we're to be in subjection ultimately to His will for the Lord's sake and for His gospel's sake. Look what he says next. And, And I know I'm moving a little bit quickly, but we need to. It says, live as people who are free. Wow. Live as people who are free. What does that mean? Well, we know for sure that that coming to faith in Christ, we are free from condemnation. Right? All of us have broken God's law. All of us deserve condemnation. If you're outside of Christ, this is true of you now. We have offended God. We have broken His commandments in thought, word, and deed. Corey did such a good job with that. I don't have to redo it. Go back and watch last time the sermon that Corey preached. We have broken His law. We have sinned against Him. We deserve His wrath, and yet He sent His Son, Jesus, to live and fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill His law in thought, word, and deed, to love His Father and live for His glory and be a righteous servant and deserve only blessing. Yet He came to establish that righteous standing, that right standing for His people. So He took our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us and suffered for us on the cross, taking the condemnation that we deserve, taking the condemnation that His people deserve onto Himself, satisfying justice. That's what Scripture means when it says He died for our sins. And before He gave up the Spirit, He said, it is finished. Descending into the grave and under the power of death for a time, He was raised from the grave the third day. We are declared righteous in Him through faith. If we are trusting in Him, are you trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone this morning? Have you placed your faith by God's grace that you've come to see that you need a Savior and you've trusted Jesus Christ to be that Savior? If you've done that, that's because God is at work in you. And if your hope is in Jesus and your trust is in Jesus, you're free from condemnation because He took it for you. You're set free in this world, by Jesus, and empowered by the Holy Spirit to love and live for Him. See, freedom in Christ is not a freedom to do whatever you want. It's not a freedom to be your own king <laughs> and your own God and just to decide. I mean, that was the mindset in judges of an unrighteous nation that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's a freedom from the bondage of sin and a freedom to now love God and line up under His commandments and live for His glory even when it's hard. See, this kind of freedom is not a freedom of a license to do whatever you want. This whole section sort of militates against the spirit of the world where every individual or group demands its rights and understands liberty as as everyone doing what he or she wants or thinks is best. See, freedom, true freedom, this freedom, and this will be you'll do it because you want to, because you love God. Being set free is freedom being set free to serve God, to love and live for God. See, we see our civil obedience as obedience to God who has put these rulers over us for our good, for His glory. And imperfect as they are, we live in a great atmosphere in America for getting the gospel out. I mean, we're even over the Internet right now. Church after church after church after church. One of the things the coronavirus has done has put way more churches online. Some of that's good and some's bad, but the gospel is going forth. But we are free, free from condemnation, free from the opinion of men, free from the fear of man, free to love and serve God and live for His glory, free to submit even when it's hard for the sake of the gospel. So it's a God-centered submission to authority. Some of you are getting nervous by now. There's something you wish I'd talk about that I haven't talked about yet because it's not in the text. I will, but it's not in this text. So it's a God-centered freedom and a God-centered honor. Look quickly at this. Honor, Christian, you who are exiles and travelers and sojourners in this world by God's glory, you who have the Spirit empowering you, have the Word to guide you, you are to honor everybody. Honor everyone. What does that mean? Attribute high status to everyone. Just the Christians, right? Just those who love God we're to honor. No. We're to honor everyone. Look at this. Honor everyone. I mean, come on. Much of talk radio fails here. And we have to be careful who we listen to and follow. I'm not saying don't listen. Honor everyone. Christ did that. Christ empowers you to do that. To to count everyone you meet as a creation of God, created in His image, worthy of dignity and honor. We're to speak well of them and treat them well, far beyond what they deserve because Jesus deserves it. To honor them. And when we do that, that opens doors for the gospel but the Scripture calls us to honor everyone. I mean, really, you can see in this last verse I'm going to look at here sort of the summary of God's commandments. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus amps that up when He says to the Christian believers to love one another as I have loved you. I've sacrificed myself for you. Now you sacrifice yourselves for one another to love one another, to be in unity. We won't all have the same ideas about peripheral things, but one mind in Christ, and the main purpose is Christ and the gospel. But the Scripture says honor everybody. Love the brotherhood. Now that's the church. That's the brethren. That's that's people in Christ. Love and sacrifice yourself for them. Fear God. We've already talked about that in a previous sermon. You can go back to fighting for fear if you want to. Uh, hear a little more about fearing God, but that's basically yes. There is a is a is a trembling fear, but it's a, it's an awe and a devotion and a reverence for God that causes me to focus on Him first and have Him first and seek to live first for Him and know that He's going to provide everything I need. Go read Matthew six, and now watch this. Probably the most if you know the, the cultural uh, setting at that time and, and what the Christians were under, it says this. Remember, this is Nero. Honor the emperor. Honor the king, if you live in a theocracy. Honor the president. Whoever he is. We're to honor because he's been put there by God's appointment. Doesn't mean we have to like everything he does put a rubber stamp on everything He does. But it means we are responsible to attribute high status to them, to respect them as created in the image of God, to respect them as sovereignly placed for the outworking of His purpose and plan. And even then, see this, as you were that visitor in Rome that day and you're, you're seeing what's going on and then you hear this part of this letter and you come, and, I mean, your mouth should drop open that, that Peter would have said to the Christians who were being so persecuted, honor Nero because of his office, because he's placed there by God, because he's evil. Remember, we're not to return evil for evil. But a blessing for a curse. We're never to seek revenge. As Christians, this is not instruction to countries in war, and all that. As Christians, we're never to seek revenge. Romans 12 and other places. But return a blessing instead. And I'm to talk a little more about how we might do that and and uh, as we sort of look to apply this a little bit. But we are responsible to speak evil of no one. And I failed at that. You failed at that. We get caught up by talk radio and start calling presidents slick willy and things like that, and that's not honoring the presidency. Some of you claim to be Christians and you hate Donald Trump and speak evil of him. You're not following Christ when you do that. I don't like everything he does. (laughs) I like a lot of what he's doing. I'm glad the alternative is not in the White House that we had. That's about as political as I'm going to get this morning. But we're we're to honor our leaders. And so how do we do that? How do we honor God and submit to Him and honor the rulers He's put over us? How do we sort of put a little bit of more Scripture shoe leather on that? Just a few things. Look, Look first. How do we submit to and honor our governors? Listen, jack out of the box. Pray for them. I mean, you hear it said sometimes if you didn't vote, you have no right to criticize. Eh, whatever. You're not praying for them. With many words, a lot of sin, right? This is convicting. Are you praying for the leaders? Are you praying for the ones you disagree with? Are you praying for the ones who've made orders that you wish they didn't make and can't wait for them to be over? Because see, prayer tunes our heart to God. It it tunes our heart to the needs of that leader, whoever it is we're praying for. We're praying for a lot of things, for God to give them wisdom, for God to save them if they're lost and all of these things. But when you're praying for somebody, you're a whole lot less quick to be unrighteously critical. Of them. First Timothy two one to two. First of all. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Now watch. He tells what all, what he means by all people, and he says for kings and for all in high positions. What's the purpose of that? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. One of the keys to our leading a peaceful and quiet life under the rulers that we serve under by God's sovereign appointment is that we are invested in them with prayer. So, you know, it's convicting, but I'll ask the question, are you you praying for your president? And not that God would kill him or remove him from office. but He would have wisdom and be guided and directed by God and he would be If he is saved, sanctified. If he's not saved, saved. All of of those things. Are you praying? We live here in North Carolina. Are you praying for Governor Cooper? I mean, because that's what Scripture is telling us to do. How do we honor them? Well, first of all, Paul says, you pray for them. And, and get, a, get a proper mind. See, one of the things that prayer does for us, is it gives us a proper mindset. We remember they're there by God's appointment. We see them as created in the image of God and worthy of dignity and honor. And we see them as either, you know, Christians or not and pray accordingly. And we, we, if we're putting ourselves in their place and realizing the pressures that are upon them, yes, we will pray for them. Now, here's another one that we don't like. Maybe we like prayer. Most of us don't like this one. Not only are we to pray for them, we're to pay for them. We're to pay for them. Romans 13, 6 and 7, and this is part of a companion passage. You can go read Romans 13 later. For because of this... Because they're ministers of God and they're there to promote order, punish evil, you know, speak well of and bless good. For because of this you are also to pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. I mean, we can argue about whether or not taxes are too high and all of those things, but as a Christian under the government that God has sovereignly appointed, you are responsible to abide by the law and pay your taxes, pay for the service of the leaders, even the ones that you don't like and think are wrong. So we pray for them, we pay for them. Thirdly, we speak truth about them. We speak truth about them. We believe the best about them. Right? See, we fail at that, don't we? Don't we fail at that? Especially public leaders that we don't disagree with. I mean, that we don't agree with or we don't like. We always think the worst about them if we're not careful. But see, Christian, you have a responsibility to speak the truth. We are to be people of the truth. We are not to be lying about or thinking the worst about or promoting things that are not true. We're to believe the best, give the benefit of the doubt, praying for, paying for, speaking truth. We shouldn't be quick to believe evil. I don't know why the Christian church are some of the most quick to believe wild conspiracy theories. But many times we are. Now, listen, I know that some things that have been labeled conspiracy theories in the past have turned out to be true. So it's not that everything you hear turns out to be right or wrong, but you have a, you have a responsibility to. I'm going I'm to, let's just say Facebook. You sort of have a prejudice against a leader, and you have, maybe it's flowing out of some sort of. Um, end times understanding and this, this meme comes across that seems to fit with what you think and you just pass it on out and, and post it without investigating it, without seeking to see if it's true, without believing the best. Listen, if, if we are part of promoting false conspiracy theories, bring it all the way down. We're lying. We're bearing false witness. See, one of the things we studied when we studied the commandments is not only are we not to bear false witness and not to lie, we are to be people of the truth who promote truth and who protect the reputation of our neighbors by speaking truth and refusing to speak evil. There's a lot of current, you know, anything anything big that happens, you know, some prophecy teacher is going to find it in the Bible and show you how it means the You know, Antichrist is about to appear and all of those things. We can study eschatology later. But a lot of falsehood gets promoted, not just on Facebook. I mean, there's some conspiracy theories going around now, and I won't tell you what they are, but I took one about a famous person that's all over the place, and it took me ten minutes to show that it wasn't true by doing a little bit of investigation. Ten minutes to see... This is twisting what this person said. Here's what they actually said. This is not true. People please be careful. Be sure you're speaking the truth. Don't just blindly pass things along. If 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 it looks too good to be true because it supports your particular prejudice or or understanding, don't post I mean don't say it. Don't don't promote it unless you know that it's true because we're bearing false witness and we we incur judgment when we do that. We're responsible to speak the truth. Now, sometimes speaking the truth of a a leader is pointing out where he is failing and falling short and calling him to account. And we'll talk about that in a minute. That's a good thing. But I'm going to say this and I'm I'm going to be done with this particular point. If we would spend as much time promoting the gospel as we do some of these theories we would be much better off we would be much more glorifying to God and honoring to his name please be careful that you are speaking truth about leaders and not speaking evil this just quick this is the flip side number four don't speak evil about them. I mean, you can go look at Exodus twenty-two, twenty-eight 28 if you want to. I'm not going there. Ecclesiastes says this in 1020, Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. Well, cursing the rich is popular these days, isn't it? For a bird of the air will carry your voice, and some winged creature will tell the matter. And even if it doesn't, God hears and knows everything. So speak truth about our leaders, and don't speak evil about them. But here, this will begin to relieve some of your anxiety. Number five, speak truth to them. We have a responsibility as good citizens to speak truth to rulers. And you see it all throughout Scripture. Think about Moses with Pharaoh. Right? Think about the prophets in the Old Testament. I mean, many of them paid with their lives for speaking truth. To power. Think about John the Baptist speaking truth. Jesus, of course, and the church down through the ages. Even in America, we have proper ways to speak truth to power. We have freedoms given to us by God and put into the Constitution of the United States that allows us to speak truth to power. Be thankful for that because not every country can do that, at least publicly, for long. But there are avenues for addressing wrong things that go on. And I know even in our current conflict, some churches are making appeals and some are, you know, there are some lawsuits about the 10-person the, uh, limits and stuff like that. Working through the system in a righteous way is a good thing. Speaking truth to power is a good thing. Calling leaders to account in the right way is a good thing. But we just need to be sure we're people of truth when we do it and that we do it in the right way. And the thing we need to be sure of is that the mission, the gospel mission is our primary focus. Not about whether some famous person is is or is not the Antichrist or anything like that. So, The leaders that we have over us, we pray for them, we pay for them, we speak truth about them, we don't spread lies about them. If we want to investigate it to find out if it's true, we should probably leave it alone and focus on gospel mission. We don't speak evil of them, but we also speak truth to them. And then number six, we obey them. We obey them. I mean, look at the text, Peter, that I'm preaching. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to All layers of government. Honor all of them. Obey all of them. Live in a way that glorify God. And I'll finally speak about a little bit about what you probably want me to talk about. We are to obey all of their lawful commands. All of their laws and commands that that don't call us to violate Scripture, we are to obey. I mean, the very same person that wrote this is the person who stood before the Sanhedrin and said, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. We can't keep what you're asking us to do because we must preach the gospel. So examining with help whether these laws are faithful or things that we can obey, we obey them unless they step between us and God. Just like, you know, Caesar worship in the days of the early church. There was a line that Christians drew. They would, they would honor the emperor. They would submit to him. But they would, they would say, Jesus is Lord. Not Kaiser Curios. Not Caesar is Lord. They would not worship another. We obey our leaders unless they step between us and God. If man's law violates God's law, we must obey God rather than man. Why did I wait until now to even mention civil disobedience? Be amazed. Read this text again. Remember the the cultural environment that Peter and the church were living in. He doesn't mention it. Go read Romans 13. Paul doesn't mention it. Why? Why don't they mention it? Because they don't want the exception to be the rule and they know that for most individual Christians, this will be a rare occasion. That most of our lives should be tenured by joyful submission to God, submission to the leaders that He has placed over us, seeking to be good, quiet, gospel-productive citizens in living under Him. The reason I waited is because, to my amazement, as I studied this again, Peter doesn't say anywhere, anything, about civil disobedience. I mean, we know Scripture does, and we have examples of that happening. And we've talked about speaking truth to power. I think most of the time that's leaders, either in the church or the government, or prophet, you know, prophets, priests, and kings were the leaders in the Old Testament. Um, because if we're not careful, the exception becomes the rule. And because we are to disobey whenever God's word is contradicted, we'll find a contradiction whenever a leader's rule comes against our desires. But 99.9% of the time, we're to obey and submit to and pray for and seek to honor and seek to be quiet, gospel-productive citizens. We're not called... To do otherwise. So we obey them as much as we can. We bend over backwards to obey them. Certainly we're not going to dishonor God and sin in order to obey them. See, the the, the the magistrate is not given blank check authority. He has a responsibility to be a minister of God and to honor God and to make righteous rules and laws that serve and are in accord with God's word last thing I want to say is elect them. Elect them. We have a system by which if there are wicked rulers in place, we can vote them out. Participate. One of the, one of the problems the Christian church has, though, is they look for Messiah candidates who are perfect in every way. But thankfully we have a system where good people can run and be elected. If you're gifted in that way and called by God in that way, please run for office. We need godly people. And as we have elections, weigh it, search it. Don't look for glorified people. Look for good candidates and vote them. Vote the wicked ones out and the, the, the good or the better ones in. Under God, serve Him. Yeah, this is not our home, but we're responsible to be good citizens. So our leaders, we are to pray for them. We're to pay for them. We're to speak truth about them and not evil. We're to speak truth to them when necessary. We're to obey them as much as we possibly can unless they're seeking to be God instead of a magistrate. And we're to elect them. And everything we do, is out of love for God who has set them in place. It's out of patience until His perfect justice is in place. In the new heavens, it's the new earth. It's knowing who we are. We are travelers, sojourners. This is not our home, but we are to be good citizens here while we are here. We are gods bought by Him through Christ's sacrifice applied to us by the Spirit. We're no longer our own, but His. And we're to honor Him when it's comfortable... And when it's uncomfortable, the gospel is to be our main focus. Please reboot. I mean, not just on social media, but in life, and make the gospel your primary focus. See, if we're quicker to promote conspiracy theories and other things than we are to promote the gospel, we need to think about that. We need to reboot on that. Put your testimony online. How cool would that be? Some people are doing that. Film your testimony. Put that online. Tell how God has has saved you. But Our main focus is to be the gospel as we walk through this world that is not our home seeking to honor our God. See, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He truly died. And He was raised from the grave on the third day, victorious over death. He ascended and He is reigning for His church to see His gospel go to the ends of the earth. And part of His mysterious, God's mysterious sovereignty is that we will live under righteous rulers and wicked rulers. And we're to honor them all as we honor Him and seek to live in a way that glorifies Him. By God's grace, we're nowhere near being burned as torches. But even if we were, this is the kind of life we would be responsible to live. A God-centered life. First and foremost, in submission to God. In through Christ, by the power of His Spirit. For His honor and glory. For the good of His people. And under that, submission to the governors He has placed over us in seeking their honor. Honor. Christianity at its core is self-sacrifice. Let's refocus and reboot and get our eyes back on Christ and make Him and His mission the primary mission of our lives. To live as Christ. Let's pray. Lord, a lot of this is hard. And we... We know that when wicked people rule, the people groan, and uh, when the righteous rule, we rejoice, and that just makes us look forward to the day when there will only be a righteous rule in your new heavens and new earth. Around your throne are people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and language. While we are here, Lord, help us to honor you with our lives. Help us to honor the magistrate, the governors, the the, the government that you have placed us under. Help us to live according to your word in all the ways that, that that applies. But help us to make the mission the main thing in our lives. Thank you for the freedoms that we have. Thank you for the country that we live in. Thank you for the rulers that you've given us those we agree with and those we don't. We pray for all of those who stand against you and your truth. Uh, We pray for for salvation. But Lord, in every way that we can, help us to submit to them and help us to be praying for them and honoring them, to honor everyone, to love the brotherhood, and to honor our governors. We give you praise and thanks and look to you to bless your word. Save and sanctify your people. Bless and build your church. Send forth your gospel to the ends of this earth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.